0: Romans chapter 5, a new section of the book of Romans. As we continue in Romans together. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also obtain access by faith into this grace In which we stand. And we rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. Not only that. But we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your holy Word. And I pray, Lord, as I preach Your Word this morning, that each one would receive Your Word would believe Your Word, would act upon Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that You will bless Your people with these wonderful truths and help me as I preach this morning, and I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In our last few messages, we have been sharing with you how you can be right with God. It is by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And now in chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. This is a new section. And the dominant theme of this text of scripture. Is the assurance we have as believers. In the blessings that he names in this text of scripture. You know. We see here how wonderful it is to be a Christian. And you know, being a Christian is not just receiving the assurance of heaven, but the assurance of many blessings that we can enjoy even in this life as well. Dr. J. Vernon McGee told of the story years ago when he was witnessing to a hippie in San Francisco uh, back in the days of the hippie movement and as he began to witness to him he said oh man I don't want to hear about that pie in the sky religion and he said well I take it then that you are interested in just the pie here and now and he said yeah that's right man and he said well it looks like to me you're not getting much pie right now either <laughs> and, and and how sad it is that uh, you know so many people are not only not getting any real pie in this life but they really have no hope of anything in the future beyond the grave well I have good news for you this morning when you follow Christ you not only get the blessing of heaven but you also get a number of wonderful blessings that we have in this life as well. And we're going to see in this text of Scripture three particular blessings that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And the first is this, that we have peace with God. Look at verse 1. therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Paul talks about peace with God, he is not really talking about that state of mind or that feeling of peace that we can have in our relationship with God. He's not specifically talking about Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God. Instead, he's talking about peace with God. This peace with God that we have as believers is the state of being reconciled to God as he talks about in verse 11. He talks about receiving The reconciliation. You see the word peace. Means to bind or bring together. At one time we were alienated from God. We were separated from God. But through Jesus Christ. We have been brought together. We have been reconciled to God. We now have peace with God. And. Uh. We as believers can now truly sing, It is well with my soul. And I want you to think with me why we need peace with God. One definition of peace is uh, the cessation of hostilities. But the fact is that until you have peace with God, you are at war with God. Now there's a lot of people that would like to believe that we simply uh, have uh, a neutral stance in our relationship with God. But the Bible says something different in verse 10. If you look down in verse 10, notice that we were enemies at one time in our relationship with God if you doubt that we were at one time enemies then if you look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 it says the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot In our natural state, we are at war with God. We're not at peace with God because of our sin. Because we uh, are not submissive to God. Indeed, Colossians 1.21 says of our former state as Christians, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. At one time we were alienated from God. We were hostile in our mind toward God. Romans has already revealed that before you come to Christ, you are in a state Where God's wrath is upon you. Folks, that's not peace. When God's wrath is upon you. Isaiah 48 verse 22 says, There is no peace, says the Lord, unto the wicked. Every soul is at turmoil until you find peace with God. Do you realize? Until you find Christ... That your soul is not right with God? That something is not right between you and your relationship with God? Well, the first step in finding peace with God is to acknowledge that you are not at peace with God. So you need to seek peace. And this text tells us how you can truly find peace with God. You obtain peace by trusting in the saving work of Christ. Only then can you be reconciled to God as it talks about in verses 10 and 11. Through Christ. Colossians one ten says that we are reconciled to God by the blood of His cross. All the fury of God's wrath was absorbed as Christ died for our sins on the cross. And now the enmity that our sin causes in our relationship with God is removed. And now we can have peace with God. However, just because the blood of the cross brings reconciliation doesn't mean that everyone is reconciled to God. We must do something to receive that reconciliation. And that reconciliation, according to verse 1, is this. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We must be justified by faith. We must put our faith in Jesus. It talks about through Christ we have been justified. It's accomplished through the death of Christ for our sins on the cross. And so our justification and this peace that we have with God comes by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a salvation by works cannot give you peace with God. You know why? Because you never know that you've done enough. You never know if by the end of your life you have truly so lived that God will give you peace. It only comes through faith and can never come by works. So if you want peace in your relationship with God, if you want to be reconciled to God and to enjoy that peace, then you need to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But there's a second blessing that Paul gives us in this text of Scripture. Not only that we have peace with God, but also we have access to God. Notice verse Verse 2, through Him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.18 says something similar. Through Him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. And, you know, when he talks about the fact that we have access to God and the grace of God, then that really just amplifies what it is to have peace with God. Because the word with in the original language means face-to-face with. We have peace in the very presence of God. And if we have peace in the presence of God, then we have access to God, as he says in this verse of Scripture. Now, what does he mean when he says we have access to God? You see, this is a particular word that has a distinct meaning in the original uh, language. The word literally means to lead someone to, and it specifically refers to introducing someone to like a king or a governor or someone in high position. Someone that gives you access to that person. You know, you may would like to say a few words to President Biden. You would maybe like to meet him. But you can't just walk up to the White House and go in to see him. You have to know someone who will give you access to the president. And that's the sense of the meaning of this word. And you know, we sinners, how in the world can we who are sinners have access to a holy God? You know, people have this erroneous idea that, you know, you can... Be a sinner and live in sin and even reject God's Son, Jesus Christ. But when you get into trouble, you can just pray and ask God to help you. And God is obligated to help you uh, even though you're a sinner without living in faith in Christ. No, we can't have access to God uh, as sinners as we are. The Jew well understood this truth. They were taught by their scriptures that God is holy and man is sinful and the idea of having access into the very presence of God was a concept that would be shocking to the Jew. Just think about the fact that when God came down, and His presence was on Mount Sinai. Only one person was given access to the very presence of God on Mount Sinai, and you know who that was. Moses. You know what God told the people on that occasion? In Exodus nineteen twelve: Take care not to go up into the mountain, or touch the edge of it, whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. The people of Israel were told, Don't even get close. Only Moses is given access to me. Even the priest who ministered daily in the temple would be separated from God's very presence by the veil of the temple. Only the high priest could have access to God on the Day of Atonement once a year. And if a Gentile came to the temple and entered into the courts of the temple... And if he drew near to the temple, he would be confronted with a sign that says, Any Gentile that crosses this wall shall be put to death. No, the idea of having access to a holy God was not something that the Jew would have readily acknowledged as a reality. And yet Paul says here that we now, because we have been justified by faith, have access to God. And so, that's been the question for millennia now. How can sinful man... Have access to the presence of a holy God. How can we even enter into heaven someday? How can this be? Shall we bring a sacrifice? Shall we ask a priest to be our mediator and give us access? Shall I obey the the laws of religion and the rituals of religion? Will this give me access? Access. Well, we see in this text of Scripture that the means of access is given very clearly. Notice that it says in verse 2, Through Him, that's Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You see, Christ is the one who gives us access to a holy God. You see, when He died on that cross, when He died for our sins, when He bore the wrath of sins, it was as if He took God with one hand and sinful man on the other hand and brought us together through the blood of the cross and we are now reconciled to Him. And what happened when Jesus died On the cross. You remember the moment he died, what happened in the temple? The veil was torn from top to the bottom, symbolizing that we now, through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, have access to God. We who are once alienated from God now have access to God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? During the days of the Civil War, there was a Confederate soldier who was uh, wounded and captured and became a prisoner of war. And he finally recovered enough to where they decided they could release him because he really wouldn't be able to fight again. But he had a brother who was also uh, wounded in battle and put into uh, prison and Yet he was well recovered and he would be able to have strength to work again. And his mother was a widow. And so he wanted to secure the release of his brother so he could go home and and, uh, uh, support his widowed mother. And he said, I'll go to President Lincoln. And he went to the White House and The guards were there, and especially being a Confederate soldier, they would absolutely not give him access to the president. And that soldier, realizing the failure of his mission, sat on a nearby park bench and just started to cry. And Tad Lincoln saw him and asked him what was wrong, and he told him his story. And Tad said, listen, I'll take you to my father. And he just grabbed him by the hand, went right past those guards, and ushered him into the presence of the president. And he made his case to the president. Oh yes, through Jesus Christ, we now have access. We have access. And the word translated have is in the perfect tense. Past completed action with abiding results. This means we have permanent access to God. Permanent access. And, And then he says, he talks about into this grace in which we stand. Which is also a perfect tense. And so the language of the... Uh, Scripture is very clear. This isn't just an occasional access like the high priest on the day of atonement. But this is a permanent, eternal access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice in verse 2, we have obtained access by faith. By faith. Faith is the key that opens the door to access to God and the Heavenly Father. And notice that now that we have access to God by faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to three particular blessings I want to mention to you this morning. Note the benefits of this access. The first is God's grace. There's... There's one particular blessing that is mentioned that we have access to. According to verse 2, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We not only have access to God, but we have access to the resources of His grace. And notice Paul says, this grace. The word this is a pointer back to chapters 3 and 4 where he talks about that we're saved by grace through faith. where We're, we're uh, justified freely by His grace, the Bible says. And so first and foremost, Paul has in mind the fact that we now have access into God's saving and justifying grace. We know that we're right with God. We know that now we have free access to God because of His wonderful, wonderful grace. The condemnation has been removed and now we stand before God with His favor bestowed upon us. It's a relationship of grace. Paul doesn't emphasize it here, but elsewhere in Romans, he not only talks about saving grace, but he talks about God's enabling grace. We live day by day out of the resources of His grace, and we have access to His grace each and every day. But this access also means that we can come freely to God in prayer we have access to God by means of prayer at any day at any time we can enter into God's presence not based on us but based on Christ which is why we pray in Jesus name and Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says let us therefore come boldly Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why is it that we can boldly come into God's presence, sinners as we are? Because our sins have been washed away. The condemnation is gone. We have access to God. Therefore, we can boldly pray unto God. Yes, we have access to God through prayer and of course we will also have access to God's heaven we have been granted access to heaven when we breathe our last breath we know what will happen afterwards aren't you glad that you don't have to go spend a while in purgatory first (laughs) but that as soon as you uh, because we've been justified by faith and God's grace, we enter immediately into the very presence of heaven. Jesus spoke these words, enter into the joy of your Lord. And Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. He is the way to heaven. We have access to heaven. And so I ask you this morning, do you know that the enmity between You and God caused by your sin and unbelief has now been removed by the blood of Christ. And now you have peace with God. Now you have access to God through prayer and all the resources of His grace. Is this your own experience? If not, I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you too can have peace with God. You too can have ongoing permanent access to God and the resources of His grace. But there's one other blessing that's identified that the believer enjoys because we have been justified by faith. And that is we have confident Rejoicing. Three times in this text of Scripture, Paul says, We rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice. Verse 2, We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, We rejoice in our sufferings. Verse 11, We also rejoice in God. Listen, once you have been justified by faith, once you understand the blessings that we have in Christ, uh, we ought not to be walking around with sad and somber faces, but we ought to be walking around rejoicing in the Lord. And that's what Paul says here in this text of Scripture. And by the way, the word translated rejoicing here isn't just talking about the experience of joy, but the expression of joy. And actually, if you look up the word, most of the time, it's translated to boast. To boast joyfully. It can even be translated to shout triumphantly. We Georgia Bulldog fans finally got to shout triumphantly when they won the national championship last uh, January and uh, to, 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 to shout triumphantly is the meaning of the word here with joy to express it with joy do you have a life of expressing joy do you know what it is to even boast in your God and in what God has done for you? Well, note with me what we can joyfully boast about. First is our hope of the glory of God. Do you realize how wonderful a future you have as a believer? Well, part of our future is to share... In the very glory of God. You know, in this life we can experience some of His glory. The glory of His uh, character begins to be manifest in us and through us. But the day is coming when we are going to much more fully experience and radiate the very glory of God. And what is it that we hope for? It is the glory of God. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. And here, in this text, I think he's talking about the, the glory we shall share in when we get to heaven, and especially when Christ returns someday. Yes, when Christ returns he will return in glory, great glory. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when He appears, 1 John 3.2 says, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Colossians three four says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Romans eight twenty nine says, The day is coming when we will be conformed to the very image of his Son. And the very next verse says this Those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Glory is our destiny as believers. And by the way, the word uh, glorified there is in the past tense. In the mind of God, our glorification is as sure as our already accomplished justification. We will share in the very glory of Christ someday. We will radiate with the glory of God. We will be in the very presence of the glory of God. We will live in a more, most glorious place you can even imagine. This is our hope. And we rejoice in such a hope as that. Do you have This sure hope of the glory of God someday. Too many people don't know Christ. Too many people have never been justified by faith. They have wishful thinking at best. Only Christ can give you a confident hope of the glory of God. Which will cause you to rejoice. In that. But there's another blessing that we can rejoice in. And that is, this is surprising, in our present tribulations. Verse 3 More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, Paul talks about the future. The day when we will share in the very glory of God. But he's a realist. He knows what this life is like. He knows that we still live in a fallen, sinful world. He knew, I believe, the words of Jesus, In the world you shall have tribulation." Therefore, in Acts chapter 14, he taught the new believers that through much tribulation, you must enter into the kingdom of God. He he, he understands that uh, heaven is sure, but until we get there, we are going to face tribulation and suffering in this life. And yet, he says... I can still rejoice and even boast in my sufferings that word sufferings refers to a specific kind of suffering or the the expression of it it's a word that means to be pressed in it's a word for stress When you go through trials and difficulties, when you go through suffering, when you lose a loved one, when you lose your job, when you face persecution, when you feel like the task of life begin to overwhelm you, you feel that pressure coming in on every side. And when you are squeezed as a Christian, what comes out? When a person is squeezed by the troubles and trials of life, what's on the inside is going to come out. For for many what comes out is angry profanity, what comes out is fear, what comes out is worry, what comes out is 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 uh, anger. But for the believer when we are put under pressure, when we experience tribulation, what comes out, according to Paul, should be joyful expressions of boasting even in our tribulations. Now, how can that be? Well, the key is what he goes on to say. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing. You might want to underline that word knowing. Because we know that God is going to use these sufferings in my life for good. And I rejoice not so much in the sufferings, but in the good that the sufferings will produce. That's the key. And when we are put under pressure with the help of God, out can flow joy like oil and wine. You know, of course, in the Old Testament, oil and wine are symbols of joy. And what happens to produce oil and wine? The olives and the grapes have to be what? Crushed. Then and only then does it produce oil and wine, which are symbols of joy. And as you as a Christian are crushed under the heavy trials of life, God wants to come out, not anger, not despair, not sadness and sorrow, but God wants you to get to the point in your Christian life where you can even rejoice in the midst of your sufferings and difficulties indeed the apostle uh, the apostles uh, exemplified this in acts chapter 5 verse 41 they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name Folks, this type of living where you can rejoice even in suffering is not natural, it's supernatural. It is something that only God can do in a believer's life. You say, oh, that doesn't describe me. Well, let me tell you how it can describe you. First of all, you've got to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And like I say, you need to know what troubles and trials can do for you. And so, what is it? What are some of the blessings that these tribulations produce? First of all, tribulation produces perseverance. You see that? Endurance, it may be translated in your Bible. Now, when the Bible talks about perseverance and endurance, he's not just talking about passive pers- uh, being passively patient, but enduring with brave persistence. You have to learn to trust God to be able to persevere with brave persistence. And it's only through trials that we build this character quality of perseverance to where you don't quit, you don't give up, you don't become overwhelmed, but instead you can even rejoice in the midst of your trials and difficulties. And the only way you can develop that is through the exercise of that. I don't know if we got any weightlifters here, but if you're going to build muscle, what do you got to do? It's not enough just to drink protein shakes, you know. You've got to resist with weights. Only through resistance can you build muscles. And the only reason, the only way that you can build more perseverance Bravery in the face of adversity, persistence, you don't quit. You keep bearing up under the load with strength. It's through the exercise of this grace in your life. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because you've already been through some trials in your life, I'm sure but it's very likely you're going to face a trial that's even greater than what you've already faced. And if you aren't in the process through life of building perseverance, then that greater trial may overwhelm you. You know, I cannot fathom how Jesus bore seeing His disciples forsake Him, betray Him. How did He bear the abuse? How did He bear the whips? How did He bear carrying the cross until He fell beneath the weight of it and walking to Calvary and to bear the spikes in His hands and His feet? How in the world could a man endure such suffering? Jesus demonstrated tremendous strength in the face of suffering. And you don't develop that strength by living an easy life. You develop that strength by learning to trust God through every trial He brings you through relying on the power of the holy spirit let me say a word to parents here today don't you make your your child's life easy <laughs> oh protect them overprotect them no listen they they need to experience Some adversity in education. They need to experience adversity in learning how to relate to other people. They need to experience sorrow in life. So that they are going to be prepared for life someday. God understands what He's doing. Trials, work, perseverance... And that produces proven character. Verse 4, endurance produces character. And that word translated character means you're put to the test and you're approved by God. You don't fail the test. You, you demonstrate proven character. Trials will show what you're really like on the inside. It really shows what kind of Christian you really are. And when you persevere and stay faithful to God, then that just declares that yes, you are a true believer, and yes, you have matured in your faith, and people can see the glory of God in you. This produces proven character. You become a witness for Jesus Christ. Proven character is as a witness for Jesus Christ. How does adversity? What does it say about your character? Does it prove your character or does it show you that you're still a long way from where you ought to be? let me make another truth about our present tribulations. Through tribulations, we get the opportunity to exercise hope, as he says there in verse four. I ask you a question the hope of the glory of God and all that God has for us which to which person is hope most important the person where everything's going great and easy or the person that's going through trials and difficulties the person that's going through trials and difficulties that finds hope the most precious. And so we exercise hope. You see, previous victories through trials gives us hope that this one's going to be no different. God has helped me in the past. God's going to help me now. I have hope in God. I have faith in God. And I know that someday, I am going to face a tremendous trial when it's my time to die. I'll face sickness that leads to death. And I may uh, go through incredible suffering. But God is going to give me dying grace. And I know that beyond death is hope of eternal life. You know, Romans eight eighteen says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to be revealed in us. Now, I know this is bad now, but I have hope that it's going to get a whole lot better someday. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor enter the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Oh, what a wonderful hope that we have which can sustain us through the trials of life. But there's one other reality that we rejoice in. We rejoice. Rejoice also, not only in the hope of the glory of God in our present tribulations, but in God Himself. Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Oh, He saves the best for last. Yes, we rejoice in our hope. We rejoice even in our tribulations. But most of all, we rejoice in our God, he says here. He echoes the words of the psalmist who said, God, my exceeding joy. Yes, we rejoice in our hope. We rejoice even in our tribulations. But most of all, We rejoice in our wonderful God who has given us these blessings by His grace. Suppose a teenage boy is given a brand new car for a graduation gift from his father. And boy, he's so happy about that uh, new car and he wants to drive it around and show it to his friends. And he's boasting in his new car. And what would you think of that young man if all he does is brag about his new car but says nothing about the one who gave him the car? Oh, listen. We have a lot to rejoice about as Christians. But never forget who gave us these blessings. And it was God. Let us rejoice in our God. Do you have peace with God? Do you know you have ongoing access to God? Are you the one that's able to rejoice in hope, rejoice in tribulations, rejoice in God? If not, the first step is to be justified by faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to have a moment of prayer and reflection in just a moment. And you will have that opportunity to turn your eyes to Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Call upon His name to save your soul. And then after the service, feel free to talk to one of the elders or me about that important decision. Many of us have been justified by faith. But I ask you, to what extent are you enjoying these blessings? That you experience these blessings. Maybe you need to turn to the Lord in prayer in this time of silent reflection. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these blessings that we have in Christ. And now as we reflect upon your word in prayer and silent reflection, Lord, Lord, Do your work in our hearts, we pray in Christ's name.